feeling stuck in your career or like you're not realizing your potential? Coaching Chats is the podcast for you. Through informative interviews and practical advice, we will help you assess your skills and interests while providing actionable steps to overcome challenges. Become the best version of yourself with Coaching Chats. Welcome to another episode of Coaching Chats. I'm your host, Rukshana Aliva. Today, I'm joined by the wonderful Lynn Whitbag. Lynn is the queen of sales. Business owners and entrepreneurs hire Lynn to ignite winning sales because most are chasing down leads, lack client retention, conversion, and profit. So Lynn helps eliminate the lengthy, chaotic sales cycle to ignite your sales and unleash lasting profits. Bottom line, don't make this harder than it has to be. Sales should be a win-win. Lynn is the founder and CEO of Tito Queen, host of Claim Your Career Crown on Pelucha TV and the Get More Clients show streaming on Amazon Fire, Roku, Apple TV. She has been seen in USA Today, HuffPost, Chicago Tribune and more. In today's episode, we are going to talk about the art of sales. We will cover sales and negotiation from the perspective of entrepreneurs, employees, and job seekers. So please make sure to stay until the end. Okay, without further ado, let's get started. Lynn, welcome to this episode of Coaching Chats. Rakshana, thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here and have this conversation with you. Oh, uh, I'm so excited to have you on my show, Lynn. Uh, I would like to start off our episode with perhaps your background. How did you find yourself working in sales? Well, I started selling as a young woman or young uh, girl selling Girl Scout cookies. And let me tell you, you know, if you love a product and you love the organization, I was in Girl Scouts all the way through from grade school through high school. Um, you know, it, it's easy, you know, to to sell something. And I actually took my very best friend out with me, who was the most shy, introverted in individual, because we wanted to win the coveted cookie badge. So this was the first year that um, we were able, we were old enough that we could sell the cookies, right? And so back in the day when dinosaurs roamed the earth. Anyway, I was like the Walmart greeter. I brought them to the table. She took their money and gave them the cookies. And we were the only two girls in our district to win that coveted book cookie badge. And so I think that that sort of started me in that sense of, you know, that I wasn't afraid of sales. I embraced the opportunity to promote something that I, an organization and a product I loved and that I knew was, you know, something that people would want and that they would enjoy. Um, in this case, cookies. <laughs> so, you know, it was a win-win. And, you know, fast forward um, after graduate school and I was, I actually talked the owner of a small business into letting me go into outside sales. And he actually thought it was going to be a disaster. I mean, I could just tell from his whole body language and what he said, but I, I did it and I shadowed him for two weeks. And on April 1st, April Fool's Day, I was on my own out in sales and um, 
ironically, that very first year, and I had eight months at it, I outsold his partner. And the next year, I outsold him. And I just never looked back because sales is the vehicle that allows us to help and serve others and to create impact. And so I love sales. I love being able to help and serve others. Oh, thank you very much for sharing. You 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 look very enthusiastic when you talk about sales and it really uh, shows through and it's just incredible how you from you know from the young age you 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 know you you exercised your skill, your passion for sales. And cookies sounds very delicious as well. <laughs> um, thank you for sharing. Uh, and not only sales are, um, you know, sales is very important. And I actually got I pulled, um, I pulled some stats which says that according to a study by CB Insights, twenty percent of businesses fail due to a lack of sales, and this is the most common reason for business failure. Where do where do business get it wrong? You think? Well, there's a couple of different things. And the first one is they need to think like their client. Why does the client want, need, or lack their product or service? I mean, what do they want, need, or lack? Why does it matter to them? You know, what keeps them up at late at night? How is this, you know, being a pain in their side, a monetary pain? And with the right solution or opportunity, how is this going to serve them? What is it so they can? So they can what dot, dot, dot. Um, I mean, you think about it. Nobody buys an iPhone to make a phone call. All right. They buy it for all these other reasons. So you've got to get into the so they can. So they can what? What can they achieve? What goals? What initiatives? What problems can they solve? How is this going to help them um, feel better uh, about their life, about their family, their business? How is it going to serve their clients? How is it going to serve their community? And so when you get into that client thinking and you're really laser focused on that, and then you take what you do and what's your secret sauce and how you approach it, your competitive edge, and then you reverse engineer that into their why so that you can clearly communicate and articulate, you know, why, you know, they should be working with you. I mean, creating that spark of interest. And then the second biggest thing, and I, you know, honestly, it's sort of like a tie up, you know, is to follow up. Once you start that conversation is to have a strategic sales plan in place so that you can nurture the relationship, this nascent relationship that started from a, a spark of interest. And then how do you keep that moving forward? Um, and, you know, you, you can call it outreach when it's before, you know, you've really had that one-on-one -on -one meeting with the client and then follow up after you've had that one-on-one -on -one meeting. And, you know, what's ironic is you're going to continue to follow up even after they're a client. You know, you're going to be following up. You follow up with your peers. You follow up with your team members. You follow up with your boss. So follow up is an absolute crucial skill. And to your point, the stats around follow up are really shocking. Over 48% of salespeople fail to make a single follow-up, um, you know, uh, attempt. So they meet somebody and then they never follow up. And, and I think there's a number of reasons for that. Maybe fear of rejection, they get busy, you know, who's ghosting who. But a lot of it boils down to they need to have a planned cadence so they can continue the dialogue. Whether the other person responds or not, if you're delivering value that makes sense to them, that matters to them, 
you're going to continue that conversation, even though it appears one-sided and, and then, you know, their schedule is going to open up and they're going to go, you know what, or something changes and they go, whoa, I really need to talk to Workshana today because this is a problem and I got to get it solved. Right. And so you keep that dialogue going and that is how you build the relationship. You build the like, know, and trust and you guide them to a sale. Oh, that's that that that's so insightful. Thank you for sharing. And I guess because that's probably why lots of sales uh, people get this wrong. As you said, it's a lot. It's a lot about psychology, knowing your client. It's about negotiation, uh, following up, communication skills, I suppose. And I guess having that thick skin as well. Even someone rejects you because you know they they don't necessarily have to buy from you straight away they can if you build that trust they can come back to you right yeah no is just no for now it's not no for never rarely is it no for never um sometimes it's because you jump the gun and you ask too soon um they don't have a burning need um they've got other things that are more important um, so no is just a no for now you know and it's just sort of like okay i got one no done When's my next no? When's my next no? So I can get to yes. Yeah, it's so it's so important to um to to understand that and to be yeah just to understand that and as well as you mentioned a few times, follow up, follow up, and there's nothing wrong because people people are uh, busy these days. Sometimes they tend to forget or it's just not on their priority list. I just am as a consumer. Maybe I judge by myself sometimes. You know, I don't have to make the, the decision straight away. But then I will come back to that person. Yeah. When, who was nice to me, who was, as you said, who guided me through uh, when I'm ready. Yeah, no, in B2B sales, uh, people rarely make a decision immediately. I mean, that's just not how it goes. This isn't D2C where somebody will on an impulse buy an iPhone that day. So this is definitely a relationship. And the key about following up is to deliver value, something that matters to your prospect. Or in some cases to your client, you know, because you're going to be following up with clients. Uh, so it's really important that that that's that third leg is that strategy. What is the strategy that you have in place to nurture that relationship so that they get to that you're guiding them forward? Yeah, that, that's so true. Yes, it's so good to have, as you said, yeah, strategy in place rather than just maybe acting on, I don't know, emotions so. or whatever on that day you have but yeah it's good to be strategic thank you so much lynn for sharing that i was i, I thought I'm, I'm thinking to move on to entrepreneurship uh, i know many people who transition from employment to freelancing then to entrepreneurship are good at what they do but they struggle to communicate their value how do you help people to succeed at selling their expertise what well, i'm actually really passionate about everyone and especially women having sales training whether you plan to work a day in sales or not it is going to help you in your career tra trajectory because you learn how to negotiate you learn how to think like your boss to think like your peer to think like a vendor you learn how to better articulate and communicate you learn how to flex your style and you learn how to ask for the sale or ask for the decision uh, in whatever it may be. So when you're looking at entrepreneurs who they haven't been had any kind of sales experience, one of the things is that really, first of all, they have to get in, out of their own head 
All right. Because so many people get into their own head and there's some fear based things that they need to sort out, you know, that they're afraid of rejection. They don't want to pester somebody. Um, they don't want to be a nuisance. Right. Um, they're afraid to ask for what they're worth. Uh, they don't know how to ask, you know, so there's a whole bunch of things that go into that. But the first one is to to figure out what's holding you back. You know, if you're afraid of rejection, well, why? I mean, it probably goes back to something in your childhood, but you've really got to go through in your own mind. Well, what's the worst thing that ha can happen that they say no? Well, it's is that the end of the world? No. <laughs> you know, that, you know, it's it, you're going to get this experience and then the next person will be the yes. Right. I mean, so you've got to really sort through that. And because that's a key part of how you approach sales. And the second thing is you've got to be passionate about what you do and, and how you help and serve others and recognize the value that you deliver, how you're helping and serving and creating impact. All right. Because that, that gives you this incredible confidence and assurance that you make a difference. Okay. What I do is not world peace. I wish it was right now, but it, it makes a difference in the lives of my clients. All right. It makes and creates impact for them. And I'm dang proud of that. And so you've got to get into that. Like, wow, I'm hot stuff and I know what the heck I'm doing. And I am going to make a difference for them. I have worthy intent. I truly desire to help and serve them. I'm not in for, for a buck, you know. So this is really important. And when you bring these pieces together and then you figure out your client thinking and then you do the reverse engineering and you plan your sales strategy, then you can create repeatable, consistent success. Yeah, that, that's so insightful. Thank you for sharing, Lynn. That It's so good to know because I know a lot of coaches coaches will be um, watching or listening this episode. And, and as you said, so it's so important to know because from my observation um, in the coaching industry, like I said, there are a lot of many coaches who are good at what they do. But I, I've noticed that narrative uh, from them. I don't want to be salesy. They really uncomfortable with the idea of selling themselves or selling their services. So um, yeah, they just don't want to be seen this way. Or so that's why it's so important, as you said, to have a training probably when you get started, right? And not seeing sales as something I don't know sleazy or something that push things people don't need. <laughs> Yeah, well, yeah, well, there's two sides of every coin, and we've all experienced those sleazy, manipulative, horrible salespeople. Okay, we've all been there, but you know what? We've also been there with people that were trusted partners who made a difference, who really helped us and, and gave us the tools, the solutions, um, the help that we needed to move forward. So it's like any, you know, there's bad lawyers and there's good lawyers, there's bad doctors and there's good doctors, right? I mean, it's the same with sales. So, you know, what you do is you just say, I reject that type of sales because you'll always have churn. You're, ne you're never going to get a good reputation. You're never going to get word of mouth uh, in introductions and referrals. Instead, I embrace worthy intent that I truly help and 
serve, and create impact. And I'm going to become a trusted partner for my clients. So, all right, just turn your mind a different way because you can be the best and create this incredible impact for your clients and you know you can. So just look at it and start and do a affirmation if you need to and say it out loud every morning. I create positive lasting impact for my clients. So tell it first thing when you get up every morning. I deserve to be paid what I'm worth. Right? So whatever those affirmations are, they will help you and they really will help you shift your mindset. Wow, that's so powerful. And and as you as you as you mentioned, it's all sometimes just mindset thing, right? Just the way people think. Uh, they put so such a low value on themselves and maybe they didn't see that their product might make a difference. It's just like I said, it's all in our heads and so important. Thank you for sharing the affirmations. They they're super helpful to, you know, to 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 say to yourself, to put your mind in the probably right space. Right, because there are lots of um, coaches these days and entrepreneurs who create so much value, but again, as you said, because sales got sometimes a bad rap and they feel slightly uncomfortable. So it is great that I have you today on my show to debunk all this myth and everything. We already touched upon um, the fear of rejections, and you already mentioned that. How can, in your opinion, how can coaches and and self-employed people overcome? the fear of rejection? Well, I mean, you know, once again, this is business. You can't take it personal. It's not that they don't like you, you know? I mean, you just gotta, once it it, it really is a lot of mindset exercises. Uh, And I have this trick that I use that I sort of mentioned it earlier, but I go through this worst case, best case, most likely case scenario. You know, what's the worst thing that can happen? What's the best thing that can happen? And what's most likely to happen? And when I think about the worst thing that can happen, it's like, okay, well, how would I handle that? How would I respond? Not react, but respond. And when you go through this, it really helps you. It's sort of like it's insurance, you know? You know, well, what's the worst thing that happened? My house would burn down. Well, if I have insurance, well, then I, you know, and what can I do to mitigate that? Well, I can have smoke detector, you know, (laughs) you sort of go through this whole thing, right? So here's the, that's a trick that I use. But it's really got to come from within. And this is something that you're going to have to uh, work on. And, you know, I know that we have some different exercises that we provide and I've gone over them in some of my episodes of Get More Clients because this inner mindset and self-talk, negative Nelly or negative Ned who's telling you, no, you can't. You got to say, okay, wait, negative Nelly, is this really true? Or is this just because you're trying to protect me so I don't get my feelings hurt. So you've got to go through those things. And it is a personal growth journey. And whether you're an entrepreneur, where you're a business coach, whether you're an individual and you're needing to make that 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 ask, you know, ask your peers to do what they need to, or your boss, you know, whatever it happens to be, ask your family what or your partner what you want. You've got to learn how to ask. This is so true. Yeah, that's so true. Thank you for sharing. And sometimes as well, probably when I got into this space, um, being self-employed, self-employed, I, and I knew from the outset, I need to be prepared when people will say no to me. 
I need to not take it personally, but you know, just that that's probably what it is, right? Um, and I had people say no to me. So <laughs> I got used to we it. We all have. We all have. <laughs> yeah. And it doesn't like um how shall I say, it doesn't impact my self worth. It's not just says anything about my abilities. But it, again, obviously I'm that person who works on myself. So I was like, okay, this is just probably not the right fit, maybe. How can I get better? So these questions as well, I ask myself. And I know, Lynn, I I'm, might be a little bit selfish today. I will take this opportunity to ask you a question. Me as a life coach, uh, what advice what advice would you give me as someone who is interested um, in a lot of things, but struggles to focus on my niche? Why niche is considered important? Well, the th thing is, so, and I didn't say this, I think it was Marie Ferrillo, but if you're speaking to everyone, you're speaking to no one. And so really understanding, you know, your superpower and, you know, where and how you can help people the, the most. So like I mentioned DTC, direct to consumer. Sure, I could help people with some D2C stuff, but that is not my area of expertise. And I'm fully aware of that. Um, you know, uh, there's all kinds of areas within sales. There's specific lead gen, there's email marketing, you know, you know, marketing and sales are kissing cousins and there's LinkedIn and all these things. Well, my I know that I am really good at figuring out the strategy. What's our roadmap? How do we create that? And so you know, that that truly is a niche, you know, and so what you have to do is you have to tap into uh, and if other people don't get it and they go, oh, I don't need a sales strategy. I just need more leads. No, you don't. And honestly, you need a st strategy to capture the leads. That you've got. <laughs> so but the thing is, is that when you're 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 going to speak to the right audience who recognizes that is what I need. I get it. And I need it. I want it. I got to have it. You know, how can we get started? So you've got to really figure out where is it that you you are, you've got that unique special sauce that you, of how you approach things and how you do things. And how does that tie in with how you help and serve others? And then that's the communication style. That is truly like a niche. So I talk about my catchphrase is worthy intent that I truly desire to help and serve and create impact. I mean, that's part of my niche. I don't want to work with people who are only in it for a buck. They, I have no desire to work with those people uh, because that means that I, I'm not fulfilling on my greater purpose. Right. So you've, it's the niche is really about this language around what you do, who you serve and how you do it your unique approach. So a niche can be that simple. All right. You don't need to overthink it. Like I only need to sell to women who are between 25 and 35 or in this field. Well, yes, you can niche on a demographic, but here's the thing. Psychographics are what last and they are, are a core value set. So niching to that superpower of how you serve that and who those people are and how you help and serve them, that is a niche. And it's a very effective niche because that's how you're going to create that spark. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's super, super helpful. Thank you very much for sharing, Lynn. And just to clarify, and psychographics, is it like a values, belief system? Is that 
about the cl- yeah the client yeah well yes that's where it's like you know all the different things that go into psychographics there's a whole lot that goes in that so when you're thinking about who your ideal client is um you want to you definitely need that's the thing that doesn't change people move around they get older you know they get married unmarried i mean all these other things change how much money they make um but psychographics are a core belief um, and those are the core beliefs around you, such as, you know, my family's important, uh, that, you know, I want to create a, a difference in the world. I want to, you know, I want to make sure that I'm always being kind. Uh, I mean, there's all kinds of things that can go into that belief system, uh, but it also revolves into other aspects, especially when you get into thinking about your ideal client and their motivations, like what keeps them up late at night. You know, what are they worried about? Um, what are monetizable pain points? Uh, how is this going to impact them, uh, you know, if they don't fix this? You know, when you think about all those things, you'll discover that there are emotions and motivations and belief systems, those psychographics that are all wrapped up into that. That's uh, that's very useful to know. I'll definitely will take a note, n- note of that and we'll work on around that. Thank you very much. Uh, if we if we touch a little bit employment and especially existing employees in the context of sales, negotiations, and pay rise, in this time of austerity, how can an employee communicate their value in order to get a pay rise? Well, with any negotiation, you have to remember this has to be a win-win. All right, if only one side wins, nobody wins because if the uh, employer you know, beats the employee down. This is a really tight job market. There's a hundred other jobs that are clamoring to get this employee and pull them in. So um, from both sides, it's got to be a win-win. And so you need to understand what your deal points are. I mean, what in the, in the, that's sales speak, but what are the things that you will negotiate on and what are the things that are not negotiable? Doing a little research. What uh, does this job normally pay in this geographic area? You know, if you're in Topeka, Kansas, being a computer programmer is not necessarily going to pay you the same amount as being in Seattle, Washington. Okay. However, of course, with that job, you can probably work remotely. So, so there's a whole lot of things that go into this, but being clear on that before you go into the negotiation. And then what are the bullet points? You know, this is a high level discussion. And so you're going to speak to and also speak to that other person's better self. Who do they want to be? How do they want to be perceived? A lot of bosses care about their team members. You know, it's almost like a parental sort of, you know, familiar, you know, family. And they want to be perceived that they take care of their people. Right. So you want to definitely always be on the positive And remember, the first person who puts a number out, that's the number that sticks. And then from there, you negotiate down. Always be the person who puts the first number out. Okay. And so there's a number of different things. I talk a lot about this. Once again, on my TV show, Get More Clients, I've had a number of episodes about negotiation. But you want to be, know what you want going in. You need to know what is out there. And yeah, so those are all things, you know, and of course, if it doesn't go, you know, you don't feel like you get what you wanted, um, then 
it's like, well, is the grass really greener? Do I start looking for another position outside? Because when you're looking for a job, when you already have a job, it's way easier to get another job, way easier. Uh, and then just make sure that it it really is a great situation before you just leap out of spite. Yeah, no, that that's so true. Yeah, and if for people who look for um, look for jobs, who are job seekers, um, obviously there is that likelihood. Let's say if you if you want successful at your pay increase at your let's say current company, you can look for another for for a new company. And it's interesting on the job seeker side. I also pulled some stats. It says that um, according to a study by Career Builder. Only 48% of job seekers negotiate their salaries. So what it means, many people leave their money, uh, leave money on the table, but not negotiating their salaries. And some job con- seekers are concerned about appearing concerned with monetary value and being too pushy during negotiations. In your opinion, Lynn, how, um, yeah, again, talking about the candidates, job seekers, how can they strike the right balance to get the result um, they look for? Well, I mean, once again, I mean, are they that desperate that they'll take anything? You know, I mean, you know, so A, you know, what are you worth? I mean, do the research. You know, what's the this job? Be the one to say, you know, your expectations. You know, put that number out there first. That really is an important psychological edge. It gives you a competitive edge when you put the number out there first. Um, the other thing is really know what you will and will not compromise on. Sometimes you might compromise on the salary because you get extra vacation or you get an extra types of benefits. So there are a whole lot of different things that go into this. So it's not just the money, right? The the salary. There are other types of benefits. So I have a friend right now who's negotiating for a senior level position and one of the benefits is air travel. Uh, But it's normally for people who have you know, partners or children under 18. She's single. All of her children are grown. And she's going, you got to sweeten the deal. This doesn't work for me. <laughs> you know, I mean, because this is like antiquated, you know. So I want to have partner or companion airfare that will work for me. Right. And so that's a bargaining chip that has value for her. Right. And that's something that the, the company can negotiate on. So you have to look at there are some things that companies can or cannot negotiate on. And so another thing is that, you know, sometimes you come in and you're only going to get a certain amount of vacation. Well, if they say that that's not negotiable, and truth be told, they can just put you in at a higher seniority level from the get-go so you get extra vacation. I mean, there's all kinds of ways that you can, you know, butter your toast. So knowing these things ahead of time, that is the most important thing knowing what the job is worth, what you're worth, and then ask for what you want and know what you are and are not willing to negotiate. And how desperate are you to take this job? Is this, you know, like you need a job right now? Well, if that's the case, okay, take the job and then start looking for the next one. No, that's such a, so many great points you mentioned, Lynn, especially when you said, for non like monetary something that outside of salary because there are lots of uh, things like for example people have long commute they might want to negotiate that because that will have a significant impact and all the other things as well other benefits that again 
It just, I think it depends what it's important to a person as, a, as well in your a friend's case, um, like what's really important to you and then just go from there. Sometimes even having high salary might not even be what you, something you look for. If other areas might um, be, uh, won't serve you well, let's say. And actually I have an example speaking about that. I'm personally, I don't consider myself a good negotiator, but I remember when I was employed, and pre-pandemic time, I negotiated with my manager to have a later start. So it means I would finish later because I had a long commute. And for me, it was in the morning. It was so stressful with all these trains. So, and I, I had a conversation with her and I thought, okay, if she said, she says no, she, you know, I mean, you know, it's not the end of the world, but at least I, I, I will ask. And it worked. And she said, no problem at all. So, so I thought <laughs> to mention that. Uh, because yeah, it really made yeah, money. Yeah. 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 Well, if you don't ask, you don't get. So good for you, Workshana. <laughs> you, just remember that, everybody. If you don't ask, you don't get. Yeah, that, that's true. Yeah. And you know, I, I'm as well, like sometimes I, I can be quite shy as well in terms of asking things, but I was like, no, I just have to see how, how you know, what the reaction will be. If, you know, it's no, it's no. It's, if it's a no, Nothing will happen. And uh, Lynn, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to keep you today with a lot of my questions. I'm sure we can probably go on and on. And on um, a couple of last questions. Uh, can you share, I just read your last newsletter where you shared a lot of books. And um, I will actually want to find them out myself. But for our audience, can you, share, can you share some of the most valuable resources, books, or thought leaders that have influenced your perspective and knowledge in the field of sales. Yeah, absolutely. So I did. I did a whole episode on my five favorite sales books. And the, other, the, the most recent was 2010. So that gives you. But these are things that were for me. And they continue. They continue to speak to me. And so that most recent one is called Getting Naked. And it is a sales book. It's by Peter uh, Patrick Ludconi. And what I love about this book is how it really showcases the relationships of getting to know people, um, of not being afraid to provide advice um, and to be a resource and how that in turn serves you to, to bring clients in and to create long-term loyal relationships. So, um, and he has a really great style. It's like a story. So it's super easy read. Um, the other one that I recommend um, is a classic um, by uh, Dr. Spencer. It's, uh, sorry, and I, uh, Peaks, Peaks and Valleys. So there's two different ones. There's Peaks and Valleys, and then he also wrote Who Moved My Cheese? So here's the thing. Our whole life, everything changes. I mean, we, I went from having no phone at all to a phone that was sort of mounted into a car to having beepers to having a BlackBerry, to having an iPhone, right? Well, what's next, okay? So think about everything changes, and that's a really minor thing, but things change. So Who Moved My Cheese is really about staying in front of when things start to change, really staying in tune with your clients, talking to them, um, spending time understanding what's next on their horizon so that you can be in front of the opportunities to do more business with existing clients, which is the greatest business that you can do. Um, and Peaks and Valleys, which I didn't mention on the show, but it's 
same author, but what's really cool about this book is it talks about how people go through peaks and valleys, both in life and in business. Once again, this is a natural sort of ebb and flow, but when you're aware of it, it can help you so that the valleys aren't as deep and maybe the peaks aren't as high, but personally, I can, I can do without that kind of roller coaster, <laughs> but um, it, that's a great book as well. Um, uh, Dale Carnegie, you know, is a classic, 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 how to influence people. Um, and, and it's really about being a good person. I mean, in so many different ways about actually giving a darn about people. And, and, and there's, there's a lot of that that's in there. I mean, it's just really good common sense. And the other book I mentioned was Tom Hopkins. Uh, I use that phrase, you know, I need it. I want it. I got to have it. And there's certain things about Tom Hopkins that I don't particularly, I don't like asking a question with a question and a question, you know, that type of thing. But he's got a very exuberant style. And I saw him live years ago. And it really, uh, and I had his <laughs> ancient, you know, books on cassette, you know, read his books, gone through all that a lot of times because it just, it was just good basics uh, on a lot of things. And the last one was Tony Perinello, and that's selling to Vito, the very important top officer. So those of you in sales, you know, you really want to go in as high as possible to have the conversation. You know, so for when I was in corporate sales, I'd be talking to the COO. Now I'd get shunted down to a director or a VP or somebody else. But the whole point is that, and then I'm reporting back and letting them know what's going on. But this, this idea of, how you're structuring conversation because it's a lot easier if you start at the top who is the ultimate decision maker um, and then who you end up working with of course is you're going to come down a few levels but then you maintain that relationship with that very important top officer so once again there's a lot of great tools within that that you can just sort of went okay well no that doesn't really work today but i can use this part of it so there's just some really core philosophy. And I think that whole mindset of like, yeah, he's a person, she's a person, I'm a person. We're, I can talk with them peer to peer. I don't care if they're high flute and title with this big company. You know, what I do and how I'm going to create impact, that's a peer to peer conversation. And I deserve it. And I'm ready for it. So those are my recommendations. Oh, thank you very much for sharing. I will put all the names of the books you have just mentioned in the show notes of this episode so people can check them out. And I will do so myself from my side because I'd like to as well master sales <laughs> myself. And before we wrapping up, Aline, is there anything, is there anything during today's conversation maybe I missed or you would like to add say something to our audience you know i would say if you love what you do and you know you help other people and the impact you create then sales should be the easiest thing in the world it's about having a conversation getting to know the other people and how you can help and serve them so that you can do just that yeah it's it's amazing to 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 hear that it's just it just shifts the whole like uh, mindset and trajectory yeah and you see sales in just in a completely different uh way 
And that's probably why you're a very successful sales consultant. <laughs> you know that. That's wonderful. And the last one, where, uh, the last question, where can our, where can our listeners find you? Yeah. Well, the easiest place is on my website at petitetoqueen.com. We've got lots of resources there. You can also watch my TV show, Get More Clients. Uh, you can find it on our website and it will take you. You can listen to it as a podcast. You can watch it on YouTube. You can watch it on the Win Win Women channel. Uh, but every week I teach and train on sales. And so it's pretty, pretty great content, I have to say. And it's going to make a difference for you. Oh, that that that's amazing, Lynn. Thank you. Definitely. It, definitely, it has definitely made the difference to me because I have uh, been following Lynn probably, I don't know, for a couple of months. And I was binge watching her YouTube videos. And even by watching her videos, I've learned so much. And uh, I, I do advise our audience to check out your um, your TV show. I think it's, yeah, you call it TV show on your, on your um, uh, website. The resources there are super helpful, really, really helpful. I, like I said, I'm, I, I've, I learned so much from you, Lynn. And um, yeah, I'm a big fan. So, <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> it's been actually, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on my show. Uh, thank you so much for being on my podcast today. Well, it was such a pleasure, Roxana. Thank you for the opportunity. And I think what's great is that how we discuss sales in all these myriads, because regardless of what you do, you know what? If it's negotiating what you're going to watch on Netflix with your family, it's sales. Sales. Yeah, definitely sales is, is very important. <laughs> and it doesn't have to be that like, complicated, right? As some people would say. Again, thank you so much for uh, being on my show. Thank you. I really appreciate it. Ian. Thank you. Bye. Become the best version of yourself with Coaching Chats.